0: I am super excited to announce that we now have a formal partnership with The Prospect Wizard. And when I say wizard, I mean wizard. Obviously, you have a website. This allows you to convert your website traffic visitors directly into leads. It's not just another chatbot, and it's not AI, but it allows a visitor to call, text, or leave a voicemail. Immediately goes to you, your sales team, or anyone else in the club instantly, MIT shows a study that if you contact the lead within 10 minutes, chance of them converting goes up nine times that of the average. We got the Atlanta clubs on it, Vita Fitness, Gold's Gym, Mountainside, City Fitness, Philly, College Park. Become one of the next Halo companies to deploy the wizard. It's easy to use. Go to the prospectwizard.com, get a free 30-day trial. Talk to my boy, Dave Gallin, He will get you all set up and let the leads flow based on The Wizard. Go get them. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing Wade Norris by way of Williamsburg, by way of Hockey Beard, by way of Snap Calorie. We're going to talk about changing the way you look at your food, what technology can show you, and how awesome our business developments are collectively. So, Wade, welcome to your first Halo Talks.
1: Yeah, Pete, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to be on and uh, really appreciate
0: it. Awesome. So um, talk about your background because you have a unique background that uh, most uh, ventures that hit the halo sector do not have uh, the type of team and uh, you know, brand equity, if you will, of some of the largest technology companies in the world um, that have brought you here. So uh, give us your you and your team's background and uh, why you have decided to dedicate your life to uh, snapping calories.
1: Yeah. So, uh, my background is that I was a, a researcher, uh, at Google AI for quite some time. So kind of lucked out timing wise and just transitioned into the AI space a little bit before computer vision started blowing up. And, uh, personally I was in the computer vision space. So trying to help computers understand photos and videos in the world around us. And, uh, Yeah. What had an incredible ride, uh, was I think on a team of about 10 people initially and Google AI, and we went up to about like 140 researchers by the time I left. So it was, it got to see a bunch of really cool products get built. And, uh, yeah, at some point I I got the opportunity to just kind of work on something new and start a new team. And I kind of had a little bit of a, like existential moment of wondering what I wanted to work on. And and tried to think about like, well, if I'm going to spend the next five years of my life on something, I I really want it to be something that has an impact, something that's really meaningful and and helps people. And so, you know, in typical nerdy Google engineer fashion, I made a spreadsheet. I Google searched top 10 causes of death in the United States. And I started trying to just see where was the opportunity for me to have the biggest impact. And uh, I just started reading. I mean, obviously I didn't think I was going to like solve one of those per se, but it just couldn't have been more apparent right out of the gates as you're reading about, you know, the state of the United States and the causes yeah. of death that we have. Diet and nutrition was just, it, I didn't even really need to finish the spreadsheet. It was just so sure. apparent that, that so, diet and nutrition is the spot. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so a couple of things. One, it's awesome that, you know, you work at a company like, you know, a Google a Microsoft, let's just say a Facebook. Um, and they say, you know, just come up with the biggest ideas, you know, let's not Yeah, you know, look at like niche opportunities. Let's look at game changing opportunities and let's just go at it as if there's a pathway to solve it. And then we'll figure out, you know, what we got to break along the way, you know, to get there. You know, when, when you take a look and you say, Hey, I probably could have gotten the resources to do this inside of Google if you really wanted to, or you say, you know what, like it's time for me to kind of break off. Talk first as an entrepreneur of saying, you know, I've got a, I got a Steve job. Uh, AI is the future. Uh, I could do this inside one of the largest companies. Yeah, I'm, my dad and I are shareholder. Uh, probably own a couple of bricks. Uh, nothing yeah. material, but um, you know the talent pool obviously is top notch. So what kind of gives you, you know, the bravado to you know say hey, I can actually do this and it might even be better outside.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean. It, it, I wouldn't say one is like better than the other or the, there's just a trade-off, Right. And so when you're, when you're in a small ship, you can, you can turn quick. Right. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I'd say the big thing is at Google, I mean, I was, I feel incredibly lucky that they let me just kind of pick an idea and, and take a stab at it. That's, that's incredibly fortuitous to be able to do that. And, uh, so it was an incredible opportunity to build a team of researchers and start researching this space. Uh, you know, at some point, Google didn't really have a product uh, to put it in. And so it was a public health effort, right? And so they open sourced a lot of that. That's something mm. they can do that, you know, other people can't. So that's a huge advantage. They can take a stab at really helping people with no real spot for it to live within the company. And that's an incredible thing for, for me, uh, after I had left, when they decided to open source a lot of the work I had done, Uh, you know, I, I just thought that being at a startup was the spot to be because you didn't have to deal with finding, finding the right product for something to live in. You're, if you're at a small ship, you can kind of be nimble and you can make decisions quick. You don't need to get things perfectly right, you know? And so if you launch a product that isn't, isn't perfect, that's okay when you're at a startup and that's a lot riskier when you're at a company like Google with a lot of brand value. And so personally where I was at later in my career was that I wanted to take bigger risks and I wanted to be able to, you know, throw something out there that didn't necessarily work perfectly the first time. And, uh, that's just kinda, you know, it's trade-offs that both have their advantages and disadvantages.
0: So, so a lot of people that start companies and I, I've been a, um, I've done this, uh, and it hasn't worked out where, you know, I started a software company back in 2000 to 2003 uh, but the pipes just weren't there to actually deliver it. there was no Wi-fi there was no mobile there was a little bit of broadband um people did you know were just getting on to DSL so like this wasn't really the right time where the infrastructure or distribution of of data um, to actually make the startup work you know fast forward to where you are today and say okay look the technology on the phone you know the lidar um you know some of the 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 things that you need in order to be successful are either you know, widespread, um, starting to be used. So talk about you as an entrepreneur to have a lens into, look, I know that the pieces of the puzzle for me are actually there, that I'm not waiting on the next technology to allow the commercialization of it. Because I think people sometimes forget about that when they're starting up a new company. So talk about how your brain works based on your experience in that front.
1: Yeah, you're so right. Uh, And I'm glad you bring up the LIDAR. It's an incredible piece of technology. And I don't think most people realize that they're carrying this around in their pocket. But I mean, for people that don't understand that the LIDAR is basically the same sensor that was developed for the self-driving car. It does basically sends out lasers and it understands the exact dimensions of everything in the room. So typically people use this for things like the, the, like Ikea app and putting furniture in the room and making sure it fits or using the measuring tape to measure things. Uh, in the case of the food space, when we were doing research on this, we realized that what people are quite bad at, it turns out is portion size. estimation. So really a lot of people worry about the oils and this and that, but at the end of the day, if you measure how far off people are from traditional methods of logging, uh, they get 53% error, 53% mean, caloric error from visual portion size estimation alone. So if they're using a scale, that's not the case, right? But if they're out at dinner and they're not using a scale they're just way off on portion size estimation. And so in terms of this like revolution we have going on right now is that people are getting this, this LiDAR put into their phone. And people, people most people don't realize they're carrying around this incredible piece of technology that can measure the exact volume of everything in the room in front of them in a snap. And so uh-huh. that's really one of the most critical pieces that we are uh, leveraging in our app. And uh, it's on the iPhone Pros. So if somebody has an iPhone Pro, they can use our app they don't need to think about putting stuff on a scale. We just know the volume of everything on the plate.
0: Talk, talk about the level of detail that you've gotten to go down to. Let's say, um, yeah, you know, my mom used to make like a mean lasagna. Um, it also kind of looked like a seven layer cake. Um, yeah. You know, so how does the technology and the AI, you know, know what that is, diagnose yeah. it, figure out the calorie count, talk us through how the system works? right right so
1: there's two components there's the portion size estimation and then there's a question of what kind of food am i eating so we're kind of on two waves as you bring up there's the ai space that's developed like crazy and so we use deep nets and ai to basically understand the types of food in the scene and we can see the breakdown of is there cheese in that lasagna is there meat in that lasagna anything that a nutritionist could see the ai network can see that breakdown and try to make an educated guess And then when it comes to the portion size, that's done with the LIDAR. So we measure the volume of the things on the plate and we basically break that down into two challenges. And we have these two incredible pieces of technology that both just came out that basically solve that for you. So you can think of it basically as the same as sending a photo to a nutritionist, having them write up everything, write out all the ingredients and whatnot and uh, how much they think there is. The Only difference is that we're actually about twice as accurate as a nutritionist when it comes to portion
0: size estimation. So a lot of restaurants around the country have been mandated to put the calorie count on their menus. I remember I used to go to um uh I'm trying to remember the name of the place that had like the uh Fud Ruckers maybe or something with a there's one and of them like an Olive Garden meets a Fud Ruckers meets a Fridays or something yeah. and you know, once they put down the uh what the dip was it was like 1600 calories for like the you know the sometimes, case you just, dip.
1: sometimes you just don't want to know you
0: know sometimes you want to just have them take it off the menu after they did the calculation and say this is probably not good for people yet somehow yeah. it stays on the menu and it has like a most popular like star next to it um how how much are those off in general versus like when you actually take the picture of it let's start there for question number one
1: yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So legally, nutrition labels in general are allowed to be 20% air. So plus or minus 20% mean caloric error. Uh, that's a lot. I mean, yeah. it's a surprising amount. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that when they see those labels, they're actually allowed to be quite off. And then there's a question of how much are they actually off, right? Because they're legally allowed to be 20%. And so there's actually a really interesting Casey Neistat episode on this where he runs around New York and he he has a lab test everything. Some of them, I think, were about 2x the calories that were listed on the package. So it really depends. I mean, it's hard to say because nobody's really out there policing this that aggressively, but uh, the labels can be quite wrong.
0: Are you using the technology to basically, are are you helping people log their nutrition consumption, you know, where they're basically taking pictures of every meal and that's turning into a a daily calorie count as well as other grams of whether it's protein, carbs, talk about the data that you're trying to provide and then what input people are putting on top of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so we, we might've picked a bad name because everybody assumes we only do calories, but it turn, we actually do all micronutrients, all macronutrients, everything. So the goal for us is you snap a photo of everything you're eating, And basically you get a breakdown of the entire consumption that you had over the course of a week. Um, And so we have 200 micronutrients that we track, we track macros, uh, we track everything. So we're we're transitioning now to breaking it down into fruits and vegetables as well. So we can tell people kind of a fruit score and a vegetable score. These are the things that really matter, right? It's less about calorie tracking and it's more about getting the right foods and emphasizing what people should be eating. So yeah, we kind of, we cover everything.
0: This is Pete Moore. I want to let you in on a little secret. There's this company called Promotion Vault. And what they do is they give out rewards from retailers that allow you to incentivize your members without having to do zero down and one month free or giving away shakes or giving away t-shirts. What you want to do is build a rewards program that lasts, that people value, and that doesn't discount your own products and services. So here's the deal. There's something called Rewards Vault. The Rewards Vault is going to allow a member to set up their own profile. They are going to answer questions. You are going to get those answers. You're going to be able to target those members, and you're going to reward them inside your club, inside your spa, and outside of the club, and outside of the spa to get them to become loyal, to get them to pay their monthly dues, and to be rewarded properly for the actions. A lot of companies are cutting back on rewards. You shouldn't be. Promotion Vault's your answer. Trust me. This is real. Now, as you take a look at Snap Calorie, you could go a couple different routes. You could say, hey, I'm going to go create a consumer brand. I'm going to go spend money and I'm going to be your, you know, nutritional database of record. And I'm going to pull that into everything else I do. Or you could potentially say, you know, I'm going to go in and private label powered by Snap Calorie and go out to every nutritionist and have them use it as a technology go out to every restaurant go out to precision nutrition you know you name yeah. the company that certified people coming from google obviously google started as like powered by google under yahoo um uh-huh. you know and thankfully they had that power by google or else nobody knew the fuck they were and probably wouldn't be who they are so how do you think about holding on to that and how do you think about the, the pros and cons of that business model when maybe? you guys are ahead of the curve and uh, you know maybe the, the smartest guys in in AI in this c- category, but eventually you know people catch up. That's an open-ended question. So snap away at that.
1: <laughs> yeah no definitely. <laughs> uh, it's It's a great question. I mean, honestly like, like I said, I came from an engineering background and I got into this because I genuinely just wanted to help people. And so I might not be taking the most business savvy approach here, but personally I see the most opportunity to help people in the B2C front. So I love to own the user interface, the user interface and basically be able to help people with the way that they interact with food. There's a lot of subtleties with the way we present information that can have a huge difference and impact on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And the more I work in this space, the more I'm realizing that accurate tracking is just a small fraction of the puzzle. I mean, being more prescriptive and telling people how they can modify their diet. I think that has a lot more potential and we're just starting to get into that part of it. So I've started in the B2C space. Our team has started in the B2C space, but, uh, we are, we are doing B2B deals as well. The, the kind of powered by snap calorie approach. We've gotten a lot of inbound interest from a lot of the top players in the space, given at least for now, we have a little bit of a step ahead. Right, uh, but uh, yeah, we're not opposed to that. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there doing really cool things, and we're super excited to partner with people and help make their product offerings even better. But uh, for now, we we've been mostly focused on the B2C and trying to get it in front of people. That makes yeah. sense.
0: So you guys have raised a fair amount of, of, of venture capital uh, dollars. You know, for what you're willing to to expose or, or talk about, you know, to the audience here as an entrepreneur. How do you manage, you know, your your own patience and, and understanding that there's a there's a adoption curve? To the same yeah. time as like, hey guys, like the technology's here. Like, just, all I need you to do is try this a couple of times, and you know, it's gonna work. You know, how how do you kind of manage, you know, the the post-it note that says we are making progress, although I might not feel like it's affecting enough people quick enough.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard, especially in the B2C space. It's incredibly tough. Uh, you, the user demand for perfection is quite high uh, when you're in the consumer space. And so it's definitely a challenge. But, uh, you know, I think people just kind of get it when they use it. So, so far, it's kind of just been a, a matter of just talking to people, talking to users, seeing uh, what works for them, what doesn't and uh trying to iterate and i I think people can see that we we answer like support emails in in like 30 minutes or less right and so we're we're getting on calls with people we're talking to people and i think people who try the app can see that and we've seen pretty amazing just organic growth because of that people are telling their friends about it friends are telling friends and so our growth rate keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's been amazing to see how people you know They'll be critical of some elements, but at the same time, when we fix it very quickly and we build something that people want, they tell their friends about that. And uh, it's been amazing in that sense.
0: So, you know, you're going to be sitting on a significant amount of visual data that turns into ingredient level. This is good for you. This is not good for you. I actually know the restaurant that you had this in. I'm telling you what over time this is doing to your body. So yeah. how do you think about, you know, if we go back again to like the Google, you know, do no evil. Um, mm. At the same time, there might be five years from now, Snap Cow would be like, you know what? This restaurant is not on the Snap Cali recommended list because they shit Bye. in all this. And I'm trying to keep you away from it. So how do you kind of maybe think about being Switzerland at the same time saying like, I have a moral obligation to tell people like, do not go here.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. I mean, I I think probably at the end of the day, part of it is that I don't I don't see it as fully binary, right? I don't think there's any foods that people just absolutely should not eat. It's really just portion, right? And so how often are you eating that food? And so personally I I love indulging in a lot of like pretty crazy foods.
0: You no, know, you've been and to so, Have you tried the honeycomb yet? Yeah, it's great. Oh, man, it's great. Just crazy. Love it. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not the snap calorie. I don't want to affect them. <laughs>
1: That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. And so you know, at the end of the day, it's really it's we don't see it as telling people what they should or shouldn't eat. It's more about kind of emphasizing the things that could benefit their health and trying to focus more on what they should maximize and less on on restriction, right? And so for me, um, you know, I I try to optimize my diet a lot, but there's a lot of micronutrients that I'm totally deficient on. I mean, when, when you track 200 micronutrients, it's really hard to get all. And so yeah. it's really cool for us to be able to build interfaces that nudge you in the right direction saying, Hey, if you mix this in, you're really going to enhance the diversity of what you're eating. And so I don't really see us with saying like, don't eat this one food, but I do think it's important to educate people like, Hey, maybe you want to eat that like once a week and maximize some of these other foods that are really healthy. If that makes sense.
0: You know, when I think about like personal trainers or nutritionists or any life coaches, I could see a lot of people saying, Hey, I'll help you out, you know, with your nutrition, just based on how I, you know, yeah. eat well, or I, you know, do intermittent fasting or I'm on a keto diet or what have you, have you seen any pushback from professionals that think that this is a technology that's like somehow like, you know, like copywriters are like concerned, like AI is going to write the script. Like, I don't mm. think that happened. I think the copywriter should be using the AI and then optimize what they're doing and providing a service to their clients and making themselves better. Do you see like this embracing of technology or just some, at some point does the technology feel like the nutritionist is somehow getting, you know, like intermediated, even though that really shouldn't be the case, that they should be able to provide more nutritional services to more people by scaling their business. How do you respond to that or what's kind of bullshit and what's kind of real?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think there's this incredible kind of debate that has yet to be had, really, especially with ChatGPT coming out in particular, where there's this balance between accessibility and credibility, right? And so if you're giving people this tool, it's amazing that people who couldn't afford a nutritionist can now ask questions to a chat bot and get an immediate answer. Now, these are people that are having positive health outcomes based on learning things they wouldn't otherwise learn because they couldn't afford a nutritionist otherwise. That's incredible. But at the same time, there's a question of how credible is that model? Sometimes it's wrong, right? So what do we do? Like, where do we strike that balance between credibility and accessibility? And, you know, as an AI practitioner, the way I see it is kind of what you hinted at. Like, we should be making the professionals uh more more productive we shouldn't be right. replacing those people right and so if a nu- if a nutritionist is answering the same question over and over again they don't need to answer that same question right and so if they can have a tool that helps them answer these frequent questions and then when it comes to like a more nuanced question that requires a little bit more research they're freed up to dig in further that's incredible i mean now they're able to help a lot more people the affordability for these tools comes way down and you know, I think that's just like a really cool spot to be in. So I think in an ideal world, the way this plays out is we're building tools that make those professionals more productive. We're not replacing them in the case of snap calorie. We actually did just add a chat bot feature using chat GPT. You can go in. This is totally free to use part of the app. You can ask a question that you'd normally ask to a nutritionist. It gives these incredible answers. It can meal plan for you, It can do all sorts of wild stuff. And if you feel that that question is a sensitive question where you, you need a higher level of credibility, you can actually click a button that sends that to our registered dietitian. Uh, and she's verifying those answers for people that have decided this is a question where I really need another layer. Right. right. Uh, and so that's how we're trying to strike that balance. But you know, that's an open debate right now. It's, it's really unclear how that'll shake out.
0: This is Pete Moore. Here's the last tip for you of the podcast. We are partnered up with a company called Higher Dose, higherdose.com. They are the leader in workout recovery products, infrared technology, LED light masks, neck enhancers, and other products such as PEMF mats and sauna blankets. If you have not gotten on the workout recovery train yet, your time and your stop is now. You got to get these products in there before these workout recovery and spas end up saturating your market. Having your members walk out of the club and going into one of their locations for 200 bucks per month where they're paying 39 to you. Let's become an expert in workout recovery if we are already an authority in workouts. Higher Dose, check it out. Is a wholesale code and we look forward to helping you augment your products and services. To meet the demands of your members, and hey, let's get people happy, healthy, and sweating, and the recovery should be just as good as the workout. The last question I'll have for you here, and I'm sure we'll, we'll meet up many more times and, and riff about yeah. this, whether it's on live or whether it's on a podcast. Um, you know, coming from Google, a lot of products are free. You know, obviously they got my credit card. I'm, I'm adding storage data. I'm adding some other G Suite tools you started this to change the world. Um, it is starting to happen and you're seeing traction at the same time. You're running a business that has venture capital money and they didn't put it in as a grant. So how do you think about revenue models without telling me the exact model, but just to, to, to ingrain into entrepreneurs here that like you could go so far and then at some point let's put some tolls up or let's, you know, yeah. create a revenue model so we could actually continue to do what we're doing. Uh, yep. not have to go and raise money and convince somebody else um which i think sometimes people forget that you want to pay great apps for their service so they can actually continue to do what they're doing and make it better yeah. every day and it's not like you know they're like a capitalist you know you know yeah. uh, regime if you will yeah.
1: absolutely um so yeah i mean it's a huge question right like we have a, a staff of people building the product and they need to get paid somehow right and so we do have to charge uh, even though that you know, isn't really why I got into this. Um, but, uh, yeah, so right now we're doing a subscription model, right? So for the photo feature, we're doing human verification on all the results to make sure that they're as accurate as possible. And so that's expensive. And so if people want to use the photo based feature, there's a subscription fee for that, uh, long-term, I don't love that because that's not very accessible for most people, if they want to be able to understand their diet and improve their health, uh, I want them to be able to do that without paying a subscription fee. And so I see us uh, down the road getting into recommending food and being kind of the platform where you go to to figure out what you're going to order, right? We want to be more prescriptive. We see a lot of benefits for going into helping people figure out what they should be eating rather than just tracking that retroactively. And so uh, as we get into that space, I mean, ideally, there's some kind of commission model where you can basically take a percent people that are a little bit more well-off are ordering more expensive food. So we can make a little more money off that by a percentage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it makes it so that nobody needs to pay, uh, any subscription fee to be able to access the learning that helps them eat more healthy. If that makes
0: sense. That sounds great. Well, uh, please use the term halo. Welcome to the halo sector, health, active lifestyle outdoors. It starts with having the right amount of calories. So you got enough energy to actually enjoy yourself and be the awesome That's people right. that you want to be. And, uh, We'll have another debate whether this is called Snap Calorie or Snap Macronutrients uh, <laughs> app. Uh, put everybody's name on the back to spend money on embroidered uh, football jerseys.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, Pete.